Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast. A good afternoon, good evening, and a good morning. I have the privilege today of chatting with um, a very um, interesting gentleman um, who's got a very, very long career, um, and his name is Philip Fernandez. Hi, Philip. How are you? Welcome to my program. Hi, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thank you, darling. Um, how are you surviving down in Melbourne in the COVID? Well, well I mean, uh, one of the things that us Victorians have actually managed to create is be, we're very resilient and very patient. Well, I think <laughs> I think you need to be with your premier. Um, how many how many days have you been locked up now? You must be getting to six or seven weeks, aren't you? Uh, a bit longer than that, actually. Oh um, gosh. Yeah, it's uh, about eight or nine weeks. It's all uh, heavy. So tell me, do you yeah. have do you have a family? I do, I do. Right, thank you. Um, so how have you managed? Do you have children? Yes, yes, but they're not here at home. It's only my wife and I. Oh, uh, that's. But they're right. doing. Yeah, they're managing well as well. Thank goodness. Oh, all, good. Uh, and your wife yeah. and your wife hasn't um, sent you to Coventry yet. <laughs> no, she hasn't. In fact, she's uh, one of the few that I was reading today on a news article. She's one of the few that's actually retired during the pandemic. How's that? Oh, how fabulous. What was she doing? She was in uh, insurance and finance. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah. So she's retired now. She probably will tell you eventually she married you for breakfast and dinner, not for lunch. <laughs> she's out as we speak currently. Oh, good for her. <laughs> that makes sense. So tell me who you are. Tell me um, I know you've had over 30 years' experience in um, working for multinationals in Australia and New Zealand. So tell the listeners a little bit about that. Okay, fine. Thank you. Yes, originally from Sydney. And, uh, I, you know, I stumbled onto uh, some major companies, you know, ex- accidentally into the aesthetics industry and, uh, and went through uh, from uh, Sydney right through to New Zealand, Melbourne, and then did another stint again with another major company first time 11 second time 17 years and that took me to uh, uh, France and UK as well um, in roles from um, you know state management to so directorship general management and then HR directorship so fortunate to have an amazing career uh, and uh, came back to Australia in 2003 and headed up one of their brands they own about 150 brands and of course um after four years, lost the uh, lost the passion and uh, created uh, business, business consulting about thirteen years ago now. Fabulous! So, tell me what the difference is. Tell me what the difference is between your full career and now working for yourself as a consultant. Well, one of the things when uh, you're working you know, in corporate, uh, you're still working under an umbrella, so you can sort of get away with a few things if I may say that, you know, you can always sort of say, well, you know, I can, I'd like to do this, but the company's policies are these, these policies, and we can't actually stretch ourselves or whatever it might be. Whereas, as you probably know, if you're working for yourself, one of the things I found is that you're naked, you are the brand, you are the image, and so you're exposed to your, to your stakeholders, to your clientele, and so the buck stops with you, and starting any business, a pretty scary thing because um, you know the question you ask yourself: Will people buy you? Will buy a commodity? Buy a product? And so uh, you know you have to answer that question diligently, and uh, you can't make any excuses. You're it. I quite agree with that. So tell me what to you what is leadership? I mean, from two perspectives. I know that you 
go in and you put, you build performance cultures. And I'm assuming um, that that is something you'd be fairly au fait with, given that you were in the other industry for a very long time. But what do you see as the strength of of leadership, both in your own business, as as I am in mine, um, and in the difference between what you train, or do you train the same thing? Well, it's a very very interesting question. You know, leadership is such a a big umbrella, and there's so many theories and facets of you know, how a leader should think and can behave. And, and you know, there's the commercial side of leadership. I mean, we can all study about leadership and what it actually says. But really, you know, in, in when you're talking about street leadership, I mean, you've been there and I've certainly been there, is, uh, you know, virtually walking to talk. You know, I, you know, I, I don't see many leaders actually... Uh, you know, when the chips are down to say, listen, uh, the buck stopped with me, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. You know, to me, that is one of the biggest traits of being a leader, to be able to show that you're not perfect, uh, you're trying your best, but you can make mistakes, rather than, uh, you know, foregoing that, saying that, you know, I, I'll only take the accolades for the good stuff, uh, but maybe pass it back on to something Do else. you actually, so sorry to interrupt you, do you actually find that that happens a lot? Because... For me, the easiest thing in the world is just to stand in front of a strong team as I've got and just say, okay, we got it wrong. Let's start again. Where do we go? Do you find a lot that people can't admit that? It's an interesting point. You know, know, I mean, this is why we're talking and this is why where you are because you you can embrace that. Uh, But a lot of of leaders I find find it difficult. I mean, you know, I won't have to mention anything, but just turn on the TV and see what's going on on the screen with the leaders of this world and how many actually say, listen, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, it was me. Um, and uh, so, yes, there is a lot out there. And, and for the companies that are, where have leaders, they embrace and they work with their, with their employees, there's far few between, but they are doing well. And it's a breath of fresh air when you hear that. So how do you feel with our current, the issues around um, our state um, without going too far into it because we have listeners all over the world where we've got a very, very strong um, leader at the head of our politics and yet she made a terrible choice in her personal life. So do you find that that is something that you come across in the big corporations where you're yeah, actually so you're, trading them? Talking, and, obviously you're talking the Premier of Sydney now. Right? I am indeed. Uh, yeah, whereas I'm in Melbourne. So No, I understand uh, you know, that. But you must have an yeah. opinion though. You must have an yeah. opinion on how um, that that must that's not common to just her. That must be a mistake that people make inside their work office. I mean, you can't you can't always have your head rule your heart. If a you know a very senior executive um, ends up being involved with someone who's perhaps on a lesser level, what do you do with that? Yeah, that's a, you know it's a really interesting scenario, and and, and uh, you know my heart goes out to her because the media are just you know really steamrolling her uh and but i do uh you know she's a human being there's two sides one is a person the other side you acting as a leader of an organization and and i can only go from what i've listened from what she says and you know i do take my hat off to her for standing up and said right you know i i we we separate uh, our professional life with our personal life uh totally get that i can understand that but you know the other side of it, uh, logic and common sense says to me, I'm not just talking about that of her as a person, but in general, 
you know, even though in your conversations wouldn't other topics do creep in, you'd sort of get to know your partner quite well, wouldn't you? Um, it's like if you've got a partner, I've got a wife, you kind of find out what they're doing apart from just the general conversation. So, yes, there's a few question marks there for me. Uh, but I do come across uh, a lot of people like that where it, it sort of entwines. You know, I've worked with business partners sometimes where they're married to each other and they're business partners. So that's an interesting one. Oh, I can um, imagine. Um, that's something I don't think I'd want to embrace. So how do you how do you deal with the issues around um, women and the fact that, for example, I'm always asked, um, do I think that women are hard done by, etc.? And I tend not to answer it um, other than on the basis that you know, if you believe in something and you're good at it, you follow it. And if you go to the, a company that doesn't appreciate it, well, walk with your feet. Um, you can't change the world by banging on one door. So how do you deal with that when you've been brought in to be a consultant to a large group and that, that situation is inbuilt and it's in culture? How do you change that? Yeah, you're talking about, say, women versus men in leadership roles? Um, no, no, no. What I'm talking about really is um, how women view themselves um, in the world, in a world where they feel like um, they're not generally appreciated, perhaps as but as much as a male. Yeah, I got what you mean. Yeah, and it's an interesting one again because you know there is the uh, the huge uprise now, which is great for diversity and inclusiveness, and and you know women need to take a greater stance out there. But you, virtually in times like this, you need to put the gender uh, equality aside and to look at a person versus the job they're doing. And that's the number one thing. Um, and so, you know, you know, even though as a past board member of Brilliant Women Global, where, where we stood for diversity and inclusiveness for women at board roles and executive roles, um, you know, there's always two sides of the coin. What I see out there now is there's a huge push with just pure women movements. Uh, it's all about women. And, and so men looking at this can take it two ways. One, is that they're embracing, or there's others that could be intimidated by an over an over woman power. So you know, you as a woman saying, you know, "How do you see things?" Uh, one has to see it from a professional versus whether you're a man or a woman. I agree with that, and I I think as a female, I would not want to be put into a job because I wear a skirt. I want to be put yeah. into a job because I've got brains. But for me, it's quite funny though. Um, on one side, I'm a little bit different to you in the sense that I'm I'm 69 next month and I'm absolutely discarded, Philip, as being way too old to have any brains and heavens above I have a granddaughter and Little Pudding's gorgeous. So I think it's a really fun subject. It's a serious subject which leads me to another question. I find it um, fascinating and I'd love to know your thoughts on where you have this movement at the moment that doesn't want to name themselves as either a male or a female and yet my question to them from a philosophical point of view, because I'm a philosopher at the end of the day, is that they were given the right by their mother and father when they were born to be called a male or a female. They've had 30 years of socialisation and all of a sudden they wake up and they decide they don't know who they are. So I worry about where that comes from. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a uh, worms like it's <laughs> you know, um, there's male, females, and then there's there's the others as well. And and you know, it's a new generation okay. now. There is no theory on on you know. I've known, I've had friends who I've had employees that uh, one day 
uh, get up and, and, and say, well, um, today I'm, I'm, I'm gay. Uh, and you go, wow, like up to yesterday I was straight. Today I think I want to go gay. Yeah. Now, that is, that is just a statement from this person, right? I've, I've got nothing against gays or any other movements. It's an interesting thing to go, well, how did that happen? What, what happened there? There's the other side's theories of people thinking that, you know, within themselves, then women, if they're men, or vice versa. There is no black and white answer, unfortunately, for that. Um, no, I agree with that. I, I, I agree with that, but I, I don't think I'm referring necessarily to that because I've got some um, really great friends who are both sides of the, of the coin. What I think I'm talking about is the fact that they don't want to be recognised as any gender at all. And I find it amusing when large firms, and I know one that deals with us, that just changed their board structure where they have um, half, uh, sorry, um, 40% of the board are males, 40% of the board must be women, and 20% of the board, I can't make up my mind which I am. And I, oh, right. and I find that very concerning. And I wondered if you'd struck that yet in leadership. Um, personally, I don't, have a, I don't really care who you are. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you or I won't. And I very rarely don't like people, so gender is of no interest to me whatsoever. But I was just curious as a, as a leader of um, some repute um, what your views on that would be and how you would deal with that. Yeah, it's an interesting one when people say to me, you know, we have to have this mix in our board. Yeah. Uh, we already then we're stepping on the other side of the line and not really being true to the professional versus the role. Agreed. I, understand there's got to be a balance and yes at the end of the day there will be some balance but to actually have that as an agenda and again you know I won't mention the company but uh, for example the company I was with was predominantly when I was HR director I remember sitting uh, in Europe and I won't mention the country but the, the president of the world said you know over the next 10 years you know we this is a hidden agenda we've got to get more women past general management into regional directors and presidents of the world I mean, over that time, it has happened. But to have that as a hidden agenda is quite an interesting thing. But we still had to make sure that we were employing the right person for the role rather than whether, oh, hold on, I think we'll have to put a female in this role. I agree. You know, it's not the right way to think. I'm totally with you 100%. And if it's at board levels, I would be concerned that they have to stick to a, a mix that has been, you know, that is not on paper, but it's uh, something creating yes it would be of concern to me if that was the case i mean uh, i was the only male on the board of the brilliant woman global but it would just have to be that way uh, it's um, one of those things but at the end of the day yes it shouldn't come into the equation no i agree so so tell me about neuro-linguistic programming i know that you do that and you you i think you've just been fully qualified have you not so tell our I listeners. Yes, you did your masters. So for my listeners who may not know what that is, can you explain to them what neurolinguistic programming is all about? Yeah, I sure will. Thank you for asking. Yes, neurolinguistic programming or NLP is short short term for that. It's quite virtually uh, an extension of psychology and neurology and how the human thinks act acts and behaves. And it's a process of the day we were born. We've already been developing in the unconscious a lot of beliefs and behaviors, uh, and that's been bestowed upon us, and we we don't realize it's actually happening to us. But what happens later in life that we think and act, I mean, of course, we're, we become intelligent adults, and we upskill and learn and educate, 
but there's certain beliefs in the unconscious. It could be in the form of anxiety or stress or how, how we really uh, have those beliefs and take it into, say, our leadership roles or anything that we do in life unconsciously affects the outcome of, of what we do. And so it's understanding all of that. Um, and there's so many modalities, what we call modalities and strategies we use in NLP that that tackles uh, two sides. One is the clinical side of it. So, you know, dealing with um, addictions or things like weight loss or anxiety or stress, etc. One part could be thinking with diseases. Um, and the other part is in the commercial side, which I've taken NLP towards the commercial side of it, working with um, leaders and employees and the communication gap in between. And virtually what's stopping us and blocking us from performing um, and it's virtually coming back to what we're saying to ourselves. So that inner representation is what we call. So it's a very, very interesting space. I would think so. It sounds fascinating, and I'm sure um, there's a place for it um, for people living with disabilities as well um, to be able to get past their own inhibitions as to why people don't accept them. Yes, it can be used in so many areas, mm. uh, disabilities, uh, whatever it might be. Um, I agree. Uh, and yeah, exactly. So tell me, and congratulations on getting your master's, by the way. So tell me what's in it, given that you're very successful, et cetera, which you obviously are, tell me what's next for Philip Fernandez. Well, uh, glad, funny that you asked that. Currently I'm working on, on a, a project called the Winning Mindset Academy. Right. And it's something that... It's the word winning that I've been using over the last few years in my seminars, in my language when working with, with businesses and clients, you know, about us being winners. And so I've, you know, researched that and taken it to another level. And I challenge anyone to believe that they don't have the winning streak in them. And as you and I might know, there are a lot of people out there that don't believe they're in that space they don't know how to win. They, they haven't been taught how to win. They've come from a culture or, or an upbringing that don't believe that way. You know, I, I'm, uh, I come from a poor family or I've come from uh, the wrong side of town. And they, they, they look at winning in a different light. It belongs to success. It belongs to people who can afford to win or have the money or to positions. When winning has got nothing to do with that. Winning is about taking those small steps and anyone can win and once they win in the small steps they build their confidence so i've created the winning mindset academy uh and it's growing and uh like you i'll be interviewing a lot of um, different entrepreneurs and founders in what they think winning is to them um and you know is it really got to do with what they have and it's got to do with monetary uh and the tangible so it's it's a big picture and from that of course um, we'll be introducing my winning mindset leadership uh, and when you might say breakthrough sessions at a later date online as well. Fantastic. I shall look forward to that. But, Philip, you're an interesting person and someone who's enjoyed much success in your lifetime. And um, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and I know my listeners have as well. Thank you. Thank you, Fran. Thank you for, uh, you know, uh, doing the podcast with me and uh, allowing me to have a chat with you because I know of your prowess and what you've done uh, in your life. No, the, uh, the pleasure was all mine, darling. So on that note, let me say good afternoon, good evening, and goodbye to good day to my listeners. Thank you, Brandon. Goodbye to all your listeners.
uh, you have a great day too. Thank you, darling.